Turn your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 40. We're going to be in chapter 40. As you're turning there, as parents, no doubt, you know, my wife and I, we've spent a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of effort child-proofing our home. Uh, but somehow, our, killed, our kids still find a way in. I don't know how they do it. Can't get rid of them today. Amen. This morning, we're going to be continuing our journey with Joseph. And last time we met, uh, we considered how a false accusation landed Joseph in prison. Mistreatment and injustice is just something that we're too all familiar with today, aren't we? So there's no doubt Joseph, he had to live with the physical confinement of being imprisoned, being put in that dungeon cell, a circumstance that he didn't cause, right? Joseph did everything right. It wasn't his fault that he was actually sent to prison. Nothing that he did or nor was it something that he could change, was it? He found himself where he was, imprisoned, based on a false accusation. That physical confinement he couldn't change. It was out of his control. But one thing that was in his control. Joseph didn't have to live in the bondage of emotional and spiritual bonds. He didn't have to live with that emotional and spiritual bondage. Now, we think about emotional and spiritual bondage. That's based on our attitude. Amen? If we are in emotional bondage, that's based on our attitude. In spiritual bondage, that's also based on our attitude. For Joseph, he chose an attitude of trust. He chose to trust in God despite his circumstances. He concluded in his heart, not in his mind, it's more important. He concluded in his heart, he said, you know what? If God wants me in this prison, then he must have a greater purpose for that. Amen? He must have a greater purpose for that. Joseph accepted God's plan without bitterness, without anger, without feeling sorry for himself. And because of his attitude of trust, God was going to use him to minister to those around him. Amen? Pick up in chapter 40, verse 1. It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and Joseph served them. So they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in prison, had a dream, both of them. Each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning, and he looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers, uh, who were with him in the custody of the Lord's house, saying, 
Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell your dreams to me, please. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream there is a vine before me, and in the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner uh, when, uh, when you were his butler. Verse 14. But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh. And get me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews. And also I have done nothing here that they should put me into this dungeon. Verse 23. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. So, remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about the greatest test when we're going through hardships, the greatest test when we're going through those trials in life is the test of our attitude, the test of our attitude. First Peter chapter 2, verse 20. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. That attitude makes 100% of the difference. Now, we think here, we see in this passage... We see two men, Pharaoh's chief butler and his chief baker. Now, we don't know if they burnt the biscuits or they failed to fix the falafel that made Pharaoh cast them into prison. But one thing we do know is that it centered around food as both their jobs, you know, were based on food. Um, when you look at the chief butler, that is the same thing as a cupbearer. He was Pharaoh's cupbearer, and the other gentleman was the chief, uh, 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 the chief baker. So we have the Pharaoh's chief baker and his chief cupbearer. So it's centered around food. That's really all that we know. Look at verse 2. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. Always think it's amazing how God will work in our lives. It seems that so many times God will send someone into our life 
at the moment that we're going through a trial, that we're going through a hardship, he'll send a person into our life that has gone through it ahead of us. How many times has that happened over and over and over? God will use and he'll send people into our life to minister to us, to help us through that hardship, to help us through that trial. They'll send people that have gone through it ahead of us. And in our passage this morning, Joseph is that someone. Amen? He's that someone here in, in Pharaoh's prison, in his dungeon. And one thing that you'll see here, we don't read about any anger. We don't read about any grudges. We don't, we don't see any attitude of resentment in his heart. But there is one thing that we saw. We saw that Joseph is human, and we're going to touch on that in a few verses. We saw that he is human. Amen? Let's go to verse uh, 4. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and Joseph served them. So they were in custody for a while. Then the uh, butler uh, and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them, and each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. Two words, or three words. He served them. Again, Joseph finds himself in probably one of the worst circumstances you can imagine. Now, this is a dungeon. This, this isn't even a nice prison. This is an absolute dungeon. Joseph finds himself in this dungeon... Based on a false accusation, he's made all the right choices. He served God. He finds himself in this situation, and what does he do? He continues to serve. What is the greatest way that we serve God? By serving what? Each other. Amen? Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of them, you do to who? You do to me. Amen? So Joseph served them. He ministered to them. And now we see that each one of them, they had a dream. Let's look, pick up in verse 6. They each had a dream. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers uh, who were with him in the custody of his Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? Now I want to make sure that we see the irony here. If there were anyone who should have been sad in that dungeon, who should it have been? should have been Joseph. Amen? If anyone at all should have had a sad look in their face, it should have been Joseph. His charge was far worse than these two men. Amen? He was accused of, you know, of something heinous. He was accused of assault, attempted rape. These men, they, they were in jail just at the whim, you know, of an arrogant king, Pharaoh. Joseph, he believed, and rightly so, if the charge were true, Joseph thought he was there forever. He didn't think he would ever get out of prison based on the charge. And even in that circumstance... We see that he was moved with compassion. 
Even in his situation, his darkest hour, he's moved with compassion. He saw the sad look on their face. He saw that sad look in their eyes. He saw that they both had a need and he didn't ignore that need. No one would have blamed him for it, would they? Couldn't find fault if he chose to ignore their, their issue with as big of an issue as he had. But as a child of God, if our heart is right with God, even if everything around us is crumbling down upon us, we are still mindful of those around us who have an urgent need. Amen. No matter what's going on in our life, even if the walls in our life are crumbling around us, if we have the right heart attitude, if our heart is right with God, we're still going to see the needs of those around us, aren't we? Amen? And we're going to put those needs before ours. Now, if we put our place in, in Joseph's shoes in that dungeon, most of us would have probably said, <laughs> You think you got it bad. Look at my situation. Look at my life. My own brothers sold me as a slave. If it wasn't for my oldest brother, they would have killed me right on the spot. Falsely accused, and now I'm here in this prison to rot the rest of my life away. That would have been our attitude, right? But not Joseph. His attitude here. What's he do? He sees the needs of those around him above his needs. He said, what's wrong? Why are you so sad? What's, what's bothering you? What's got you down? And that's one of the great things about having a right heart with God. Amen? A right relationship with God. Regardless of the storm clouds around us, it's always sunny in our heart. Amen? That's the joy that comes with being a child of God. That's the joy that only comes with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Amen. I hope all of us have heard of Thomas Edison, right? You know who Thomas Edison is? Well, at the age of eight, at 67, the great inventor Thomas Edison experienced an, a, a devastating fire that just absolutely destroyed his entire laboratory. He lost all of his work in those flames. Those around him, especially his son, they worried about his mental and his, his emotional well-being, being 67 and losing everything. At 5.30 the next morning, his son wrote a book and he wrote, his father gathered all of his employees together. He then declared, we're rebuilding. He then pointed to one man and tells him, go find some machinery. He pointed to another, go find a wrecking ball. Then as an afterthought, he says, does anyone know where we can find some money? Always love that story. Amen. He didn't let the circumstance bother him. He had the right attitude. Just keep moving forward. Amen. He wasn't going to allow that circumstance to affect his outlook. So Joseph looked at these men, sad and downtrodden, and he asked, what's wrong? And when they answered, most people probably would have been offended. Look at verse 8. 
And they said to him, we each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. you imagine that? Here Joseph was stuck in this dungeon for a false accusation, probably for life. And they're upset because they had a dream and couldn't interpret it. No doubt Joseph, you know, if, if we were Joseph again, we'd have said, what is your problem? You've got to be kidding me. This is the worst you got? There's something else to consider about this situation. These men had a what? A dream. Joseph hadn't had good luck with dreams, has he, in the past? He's familiar with dreams, but he hasn't had good luck with them. Unpleasant experiences. You know, think what happened after he told his brothers about the dream he had. He ended up at the bottom of a pit, waiting to be sold as a slave. You know, if that was me, I'd kindly tell him, Sorry, but I'm out of the dream business. I can't help you. Amen? But Joseph had a different reaction. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me what you dream, please. Now that's an incredible attitude, isn't it? His problem was a million times larger than theirs, but he still came down to their level empathized with them, had compassion for them. Right attitude will always allow God to do work in our life. A right attitude will allow our spirit to align with God's spirit, our will to align with God's will, and that's when he will work through us. To minister to those around us. Amen. It takes the proper attitude of trust. That's when God is going to put us into a position. To minister to those around us. Amen. God won't just allow us to minister. But he's going to put us directly in position to minister to that one in need. Joseph. He looked at these two men. He said, let me tell you how awesome my God is. Go ahead and tell me your dream. Verse 9. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream, a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters uh, brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup back in Pharaoh's hand. I would have been in the same shoes, but the cupbearer, he was completely baffled. I had no idea what this dream meant. Let's keep reading in verse 12. And Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. So, no doubt, this was an interpretation that could only come from God. Amen? 
I don't think any of us could have listened to this dream and, and had the ability to interpret it uh, the way Joseph did. What happens next is really, you know, one of the, the great things about the Bible. God never withholds the failures of his people, does he? He never withholds the shortcomings of those that serve him. God puts it all out there. He doesn't candy coat it. He doesn't, uh, you know, candy coat uh, their responses, their reactions. And here we're about to see that Joseph, he's human, amen? Up to this point, he's done everything right. He's made all the right decisions. But we still need to remember he's in the flesh just like we are. Amen? Let's see what his reaction is. Verse 14. After he interprets it, he says, But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews, and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into this dungeon. Joseph says, remember me. We see here that his faith falters just a bit. Why do I say his faith falters? Because he's taking his trust, and where is he putting it? He's putting it into a fellow man. Amen? That trust that has been so his strong suit up to this point, it be, his faith begins to falter a little bit, and he starts looking to his fellow man. To rescue him from prison. When you're before Pharaoh, he says, remember me. Don't forget, my name's Joseph. Remember me when you're before Pharaoh. So, that's the chief butler. Now, the chief baker, he's been watching Joseph and his interaction. He's been listening to to Joseph's interpretation. No doubt he's sitting back thinking, whew, this is great. You know, we're both going to be freed. He gets Joseph's attention and he says, okay, how about my dream? Look at verse 16. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream. And there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. And the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. Now, I give Joseph a lot of credit here. Knowing that this man was going to be put to death, he could have made up, he could have made up any story just to tell him just to make him feel better, couldn't he? He could have just made anything up, made it sound nice, and this man wouldn't have known any different until it happened. But Joseph was a man of great integrity. He decides he's going to stick with the truth. Look at verse 18. So Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift, uh, will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. 
That's not so pleasant, is it? But I believe today we could use more truth from God's people as well. Amen? Because of his integrity, Joseph stuck with the truth. Again, he could have candy-coated it. He could have made up a hundred different stories. But he stayed with the truth regardless of how tough it was to swallow. Amen? Too often, Christians worry more about upsetting mankind, much upsetting each other, upsetting other sinners, than they do about upsetting God. Amen? And you want to talk about the good things of God, the safe things of God. And no doubt God is good. Amen? God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. All things work together for the what? The good to those that love him. So no doubt God is good. But there are times when we need to share the harsh truth. There are times when we need to call a sin a sin. We need, uh, when, you know, we need uh, to tell people that you know, there is an absolute hell to be shunned. There are times when we can't candy coat it. It's too important. Amen? Now, it doesn't mean that we have to throw it in people's faces. There's a way to present it. Joseph presented the truth, but he didn't do it in a, in a mean manner. Oh, you're a sinner. You're going to die and go to hell. Who's, who wants to hear that? Amen? There's a way, a time and a place. Sometimes truth is ugly. Think about our own salvation. It took the horrific reality of our precious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ suffering beyond imagination on an old rugged cross, bleeding and dying and taking our place so that we could be forgiven. Amen? Our salvation wasn't neat and pretty, was it? It came with a very, very heavy price. And it was quite ugly. Sometimes we need to share that ugly truth more often than we do. So Joseph stuck with the truth, with compassion, with tenderness, Verse 20, now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed a cup in Pharaoh's hand. So... Let's pause there for just a second. When the butler placed that cup in Pharaoh's hand, you know, Joseph had to be sitting in that prison, watching all of this unfold. That chief butler, he had to think to himself, boy, this is exactly the way Joseph said it would happen. Right? I mean, that, to me, that just seems like common sense. If I was in that position, if I was thrown in a dungeon, I had a dream, and it was interpreted to me, and then three days later it starts unfolding exactly as it was interpreted, 
I don't know about you, but I would have had to remember the guy who interpreted that dream for me. Amen? Verse 22. But Pharaoh hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. So now, looking at it through the eyes of Joseph. Everything's unfolding exactly as as God gave him the interpretation of it. The butler's restored. The chief baker is beheaded exactly as God said it would. Joseph, he had to be full of adrenaline, right? Just waiting for that prison cell door to be unlocked, to be opened, and for him to be able to be set free. There was no way that cupbearer, no way that butler could not have remembered him when he was restored back to his butlership. He had trusted in man to come through for him. Something that we're all guilty of, amen? Every single one of us has been guilty of trusting in man. Verse 23. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Now, to fully understand the magnitude of what just happened here, look into verse or chapter 41 for just a second. Chapter 41, just uh, look at verse 1. Then it came to pass at the end of two full years. Two full years. It was two years since he had interpreted those dreams. Two long years that he had to sit in that dungeon. No doubt Joseph probably cried out every night. Said, Lord, you know, I've done everything right. I shouldn't have even been in this place uh, in the first place. I've been a faithful servant of yours. And I'm still sitting here rotting in this prison two years later. Lord, where are you? No one could fault him if he prayed that, would we? Not one bit. I want to close with two points. First, we need to understand that Joseph was forgotten by a friend. And not an enemy. If it were an enemy, he could have shrugged it off and said, who cares, right? I didn't like the guy in the first place. But when a friend forgets us, well, that cuts deep, doesn't it? That had to hurt Joseph ten times as much as if it were an enemy. Second point I want us to understand is that Joseph was forgotten quite a long time. Right? We read here it was two years. If it had been a few days or a few weeks, you know, we could have uh, shrugged it off as no big deal. But we read here it was two full years. That had to feel like an eternity to this young man. It's in this kind of pain, you know, those, those deep cutting hurts 
That's when God gives us the best messages. That's when God teaches us the greatest life lessons, isn't it? It's in that deep hurt. C.S. Lewis wrote, he said, God whispers in our pleasures, but he shouts in our pain. It's a great line. God whispers in our pleasures, but he shouts in our pain. What's our natural response when these things happen to us? It's natural for us to feel betrayed. It's natural for us to feel a little deceived. First and foremost, by the person who forgot us. And then it turns to feeling betrayed by God himself, doesn't it? If you've ever been into that situation, in our flesh, you know, our natural response to betrayal is to, you know, develop an attitude of distrust. Once somebody betrays us, it's hard to trust somebody again, isn't it? Once somebody hurts us, it's hard to trust someone over again. We let our anger and and we let our resentment boil over. We let that control our lives. But it's in that moment that we need to stop. It's in that moment that we need to slow down and find the true, real cause of our disappointment. What was the true root cause of our letdown? So what is it? What is that cause? Well, it was by putting our hope and our trust in other people. Amen? We, we fall gu- guilty to that all the time. We trust, especially those closest to us, those that we love the most, we think we can trust them. We do exactly what Joseph did. We look to them to remember us. We look to them to help us in our trials and in our tr- uh, hardships. In essence, what are we doing? We are lifting them up and putting them on the pedestal where God should be. Amen? When we do that, that's exactly what they do. Then when they fail us, we feel hurt and betrayed. But we need to look in the spiritual mirror because we should have never put them up on that pedestal to begin with. Amen? That was our fault. So how do we, how do we fix that? What's the cure? Well, we have to be mindful to only put our faith, our trust, our hope in God alone. Not fall into that snare of of trusting our fellow man, no matter who they are, including this guy right here, your pastor. Amen? We have to keep our trust in God and God alone. He's the only one that should be on that pedestal. Period. In our darkest hour, you know, there's times that, that we may shake our fist in anger at God, but if we trust in God, that anger, it's not going to last very long. Amen. Might be a moment of weakness. But God knows exactly what we're going through. He knows exactly what we need at the exact time that we need it. We have to remember that we are on his timetable, not our timetable. Amen? 
Joseph, no doubt, he knew he needed to get out of that prison right then and there. Two long years later. Two years later, we see that he's in that same spot. We have to keep the proper attitude. We have to keep that right attitude with God and with others. One that's not blinded by revenge. One that's not blinded by bitterness. One that's not blinded by anger. And that's when we can allow God to work in us and through us.